Jesus tells his disciples today in the gospel that he is sending them out into the world like lambs among wolves, like lambs among wolves to proclaim the kingdom of God. And they were to take with them no money, no sack, no sandals. The one thing that they did have was their mission to proclaim the truth of God's kingdom, to prepare the way for Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. I think the lesson for you and I today is pretty straightforward. When we go out into the world to proclaim God's kingdom, what's most important is not our resources or lack of resources, and certainly not what the world thinks of us, but that we trust in Jesus and that we're faithful to the truth as we proclaim his kingdom, that we're faithful to the truth. Today, proclaiming the truth of the kingdom of God requires us to defend the dignity of human life, all human life, and in particular, the rights of unborn children in the womb. With the historic overturning of Roe v. Wade, the abortion debate in America has not come to an end. It's only intensified. In 1973, the Supreme Court declared that our Constitution, our great Constitution, guarantees the right of every woman in America to end the life of the child in her womb if that's what she chooses even though you will not find that written or even hinted at anywhere in the Constitution. That was a lie. And on June 25th this year, in the Dobbs versus Jackson decision on the solemnity of the most sacred heart of Jesus, that lie was undone. And what that did was it put the decision on whether and to what extent abortion would be legal back in the hands of our state legislative bodies. And that means that we can expect abortion to continue to be a topic of debate in our legislative chambers, in our halls of justice, during election cycles, as well as among our families and friends, as I know many of you have and are currently experiencing. And when we enter into this debate, as Catholics, as Christians, we can feel like lambs going out among wolves. We really can. But we have a solemn duty to proclaim the truth of God's kingdom. And a fundamental part of that truth is that all human beings are made in the image of God. And all human beings have innate dignity and value. When the disciples in another part of the gospel tried to usher the children away from Jesus, because, you know, all these little kids were getting in the way of the important work Jesus had to do. So they tried to usher the children away. Jesus rebuked them and said, let the children come, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And elsewhere in the gospel, he teaches us that we, you and I, are going to be judged according to the love that we had for the least of our brothers and sisters, the weakest, the most meek, the most vulnerable among us. So you can't be a part of God's children and at the same time reject these little ones. And 
I need to be clear about one thing. You don't need to be Catholic or even a religious person at all to understand that abortion is wrong. The Catholic Church teaches that abortion is wrong not because of some gift of divine revelation or it's not some point of dogma that requires the supernatural gift of faith for us to accept, like the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. We, we teach that abortion is wrong because it violates basic human dignity. It goes against the natural law. You don't need to be a Catholic to think that we need to have laws against abortion any more than you need to be a Catholic to think that it's good that we have laws against murder and laws against bank robbery. You just need to have eyes that are open to the truth. And any time we uphold the truth, any truth at all, we're proclaiming Jesus because Jesus is the truth. And the truth about abortion is that it is the intentional killing of a child in the womb. That is what it is. It's the killing of a child in the womb. That's what we're debating in our country. That's what abortion advocates claim to be a fundamental right. That's what they're fighting for the right to do, to kill a child in the womb. Contrary to the very first right that's enumerated in our Declaration of Independence, which is said to be self-evident, and that's the right to life. So in this battle over abortion, our most effective weapon is simply the truth. We just need to speak the truth about what it is, but we need to wield that weapon with love, with charity, with compassion. So when you talk about abortion with your family and friends who might disagree with you, I want to suggest this strategy. Listen to them. Listen to them with charity. Listen to what they're saying. Listen for and affirm any truth that there might be in what they're saying. But then listen and relate back what they're saying to the truth about what abortion actually is. And I'll give an example of what I mean. A very common pro-abortion slogan that you'll hear, I know you've heard it, is women's rights are human rights. We need to have abortion because women's rights are human rights. And instead of just shouting back some other slogan in response, just listen to what they're saying. Is there truth we can affirm there? Absolutely. That's an easy truth to, conf to confirm, right? Of course, women's rights are human rights. Women are human beings. They're created in the image of God. They're of equal dignity with men. They deserve the same rights as men. This is all part of our Catholic teaching and tradition. But how does that relate back to the truth about what abortion is, the killing of a child in the womb. How does that relate to women's rights? Are you saying that for a woman to have equal rights, she needs that freedom to be able to kill the child in her womb? That's, that's ghastly, if that's what's being suggested. And what about the fact that half, you can assume, of the 60 million children who have died by abortion in our country since 1973, half of them have been girls. What about their equal rights? Or think about the women who've been forced to have abortion by the men in their lives that don't care about them, that don't want to take responsibility for the child that they helped to conceive. Do women need equal rights? Absolutely, absolutely. We should always strive to uphold that. 
But that does not require the killing of a child. And that's an offense against women to suggest that that's what it takes. There is always a better way. Always a better way than killing a child. And it's especially important that we remember that anytime we discuss the so-called hard cases that, that make up such a tiny, tiny fraction of abortions in America, but they're used to justify the most permissive abortion laws. And I'm talking about cases of rape or incest or when it's necessary to save the life of the mother. Rape and incest, those are horrible crimes against human dignity. That's the truth about rape and incest. They're horrible. And those people who commit those crimes deserve to be punished. And the victims of those crimes, they deserve care, and they deserve compassion, and they deserve support. But the children who are conceived in those crimes also deserve care and compassion and love and support because they're not guilty of anything. They do not deserve the death penalty. And that's what it means to say it's okay to abort a child who's been conceived in rape. We're killing them for the sins of their fathers. How is that right? How is that just? How is that loving and compassionate? So honor the truth that women in that situation absolutely need our love and support, absolutely. But caring for them does not require the death of a child. There is absolutely a better way. Or what about when a pregnancy has to be terminated to save the life of the mother? Well, regardless of what kind of medical condition you might be talking about, one of two things will be true. Either the child is far enough along, developed enough to survive outside of the womb, in which case you can deliver the child and then treat the mother. But if the child's not developed to the point where she can survive outside of the womb, what you do in that case is what any doctor, any doctor would do when faced with two patients whose lives are in danger and you're only able to save one. You save the life that you can save. And if in the course of treating the mother, saving her life, her unborn child dies, that's sad. And that's tragic and that needs to be mourned. That's a totally different scenario than an elective abortion. And we simply don't need laws that allow for permissive abortion to allow doctors to treat their patients. Abortion is not health care, despite what you hear on the TV. It's not. Health care is about healing, and abortion is about killing. And that's the truth that we cannot lose sight of in the months and in the years to come as this abortion debate unfolds in our country. Because there's going to be many attempts to couch abortion in the language of care and compassion and sympathy to play at the hearts of kind people like you. And there's going to be many attempts to characterize those who oppose abortion as oppressors who just want to control women and people who force their beliefs on others. That's the strategy, but it's a lie. And our response to that lie should be to listen with charity, affirm the truth that we hear, but then never lose sight of the fact that abortion means killing a child, and that is never a kindness. That is never compassionate. And when you shine the light on that plain truth, 
then any attempt to justify abortion at that point has to deny the humanity of the child. And that's the same tactic used to justify things like slavery and genocide. To say, oh, they're not real people. They don't deserve the same rights as we do. At the end of this Mass, you'll be dismissed with the words, go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Sent out like lambs among wolves. And you cannot, you cannot announce the gospel of the Lord and at the same time deny the humanity of the least of our brothers and sisters. So to proclaim the gospel in Nazi Germany, for example, requires us to proclaim the truth that Jews are human beings who deserve protection under the law. To proclaim the gospel in slavery-era America meant proclaiming the truth that black people are human beings who deserve equal protection under the law. And to proclaim the gospel here, now, in our time, means proclaiming the truth that unborn children are human beings who deserve equal protection under the law. We are being sent out like lambs among wolves. And I'll tell you something, the wolves have funding. The wolves have media uh, attention. The wolves have anger and rage. You see that right now. We have the truth. We have love. And most importantly, we have our Lord Jesus Christ and his promise of a kingdom where peace and justice will reign. That's the kingdom that we're sent to go and announce. I want to say two things before I wrap up that I think are important. One is I know some people will say, because I'm a man, my opinion on abortion doesn't count. I'm actually fine with that. Why should you listen to my opinion about anything? You want my opinion? Chocolate ice cream is the best and jazz music is horrible. <laughs> Nothing I have said about abortion has been my opinion. It's just been the truth. We need to learn to distinguish between those two things. Okay? Second and most important thing I want to say is I know that there are probably women and men here today that have abortions in their past. Women who have had abortion, men who have helped women procure abortions. You may be experiencing guilt, regret, shame. You might not know how you feel about that. I want to say welcome. I'm glad that you're here. We love you. The church loves you. God loves you. If you haven't found it yet, there is absolutely healing and forgiveness that is available. If you haven't done it yet, go meet Jesus in the confessional. He's in there waiting for you, waiting for all of us. There's no burden that you're carrying that's too big for his shoulders. He'll carry it to the cross for you. Please do that. The first reading today that we heard from Isaiah speaks about the kingdom of God in terms of the new Jerusalem, where all those who mourn will find comfort, and where God, where God will spread his prosperity across all of the nations. And the image, the image that Isaiah uses to describe what it's going to feel like for us to be in that new Jerusalem is the beautiful image of a child being cradled in its mother's arms. 
And that's an image of universal comfort and peace for all of us, because we know what that's like. There's no safer place in the world to be than to be a babe cradled in his mother's arms. Let's pray that all children get to have that experience in this life. And that all of those who suffer and mourn in this world, who struggle in this world, may rejoice and be glad in that new Jerusalem to come.